When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gents, boys and girls, Tuesday, September the 20th, 2022. Hope you're all doing well. Chris Phillips here of the Spurs Up show of the Daily Crow, of course. As always, we're here live taking your questions, your comments, your calls, 843-790-3377. That's 843-790-3377. Got a jam-packed show today. A lot to get into here on this Tuesday. Also, we got my good friend Alex McGrath joining the show at 1215 He will help us break down what happened over the weekend as well as look ahead to the Charlotte game. We've also got Shane Beamer's presser upcoming at 1.30. Stay tuned here for that. We will watch that together. Um, So again, a lot to dive into, a lot to discuss, and I appreciate you all tuning in. I see Daniel Graham, Gad, Connor Lee, Andrew Horrell, Noah Johns, Travi, Carolina Titan, DGD, Todd Smith, Tim Dorn, John Edward. Rebecca in the chat. DC also in the Big Cock Club Discord. Head over to the TDC Questions channel. The TDC Questions channel to be sure your questions are answered there. Guys, before we get rolling, let me tell you about our friends over at Prize Picks because the Daily Crow is always is brought to you by our friends at Prize Picks. Go download the Prize Picks app. Go to prizepicks.com. When you do, use the promo code TSUS. You're going to receive a 100% deposit match up to. Now, guys, prize picks is all prop plays. So things like passing yards, rushing yards, touchdowns, interceptions, everything you can think of, they've got it. And it's not just for football. Obviously, they've got college sports across the board, but they've also got MLB, NHL, NBA, NFL, of course, everything you can think of, guys. So I know you love betting on spreads, over-unders, future bets, all that good stuff. Make sure you've got prize picks in your rotation as well. I know a lot of our listeners, a lot of fans of the Spurs Up show have won a lot of money with our friends over at Prize Picks. So again, that's Prize Picks. Go download the Prize Picks app. Go to prizepicks.com. When you sign up, use the promo code TSUS to receive a 100% deposit match up to $100. And again, we appreciate our friends over at Prize Picks for the love and support of the Spurs Up show. Let's break the bookie this football season. Again, guys, we are here taking your questions, comments, calls. As we sit here on this Tuesday, I'm very excited to hear what Shane Beamer has got to say um, in regards to sort of closing the book, if you will, on the Georgia game. I see the comments already. You guys are saying, let's not talk Georgia anymore. Let's talk about the uh, let's talk about the Charlotte game. Certainly, guys, we can talk about whatever you want to talk about. Uh, we can discuss and dive into whatever you guys want to discuss. And, and that's the beauty, guys, the Daily Crow, is that you guys sort of control this show. I want to make that clear as well because um, – I will say yesterday, I, I, I was not, you know, I was a little, you know, it's frustrating, obviously, talking about losing by 41, right? That's that's not a whole lot of fun. Nobody li- likes it, if you will. Um, I love when you guys call in. I, I love when everyone calls in. The only thing I would say is just when you call in, do me a favor and be mindful of your time. I, I know that it's my job, obviously, but I, I don't want to cut people off. But when you start getting on 15, 20-minute calls, that's when it's like, man, it's like literally a humongous chunk of the show. So let's just all together. This is a together thing. This is not a just a me thing. This is a together thing. We'll all keep that in mind 
But I appreciate all of the calls. Again, this show is literally built for you guys, right? This show is built for the callers. Ideally, this show, the way it would happen, the way it would set up, you guys would call start to finish, right? It wouldn't just be me rambling. I've got the podcast for that. If you just want to hear me ramble for 45 minutes, go listen to the Spurs Up show, the podcast under the name the Spurs Up show. The beauty of this show, again, I always love it, the banter that we have back and forth. You guys leaving questions, you guys leaving comments, and you guys calling in. That's what I love about this show. So I just want to make that clear. I love all calls. Uh, again, I truly do appreciate y'all, the, the, those that call in. Um, and I certainly just don't want anybody to think that I don't appreciate the calls, truly. I mean, they're awesome. They're awesome. It's what makes the Daily Crow. It's what makes this show special. So y'all continue it. Y'all keep it up. Uh, let's dive into your questions on that note. AJ Bauer says, I can't speak for everyone here, but I'm pretty sure 99% of this fan base stands with Beamer no matter what. Um, AJ, are you talking about the latest issues upcoming or just in regards to the direction of counter football? I, I mean, I, I just, I, I, it, it feels crazy to me that I even need to speak on it. Like I saw Brad Crawford's tweet yesterday, my good friend, Brad, I, I saw his tweet in regards to, you know, nationally, uh, nobody's checked out on being, I'm like, bro, it's year two. I, I just, I mean, I know we just got trounced by Georgia, right? I I understand that happened, but I just can't believe it even needs to be said. You know what I mean? I I can't believe that it needs to be said. Um, I think anybody questioning Shane Beamer as the head football coach is, it's just crazy. It's just just crazy. It's off the mark. I I don't know how else to put it. I mean, my goodness, man. I, I mean... You know, you, you lost to Georgia by 41, and no, certainly <clears throat> nobody's happy about it. I can tell you they're not happy about it, but I, I, from what I've seen, maybe I'm just following the right people, if you will, but I, I haven't seen anybody questioning Beamer or calling for his job. Like, you know, and this has meant there's no disrespect in any, any of these accounts doing this, but, <clears throat> you know, I've seen some social media accounts, some Gamecock accounts, like, posting, like, we stand with Beamer, and I'm like, well, I mean, yeah, no doubt we do. Like, I, I, I don't. Do, do Are we really at the point where we just lost a game like we need to make a statement like that? I, I just feel like it's a no-brainer. So, I, But I guess I guess there are some people out there that don't feel that way. Um, also, I'll tell you this. You, see, you guys see my shirt, by the way? Love this merch, the women's basketball merch. <clears throat> I, I'm just going to say this because I'm not going to dive into it, but I, I'll tell you, I, I can't believe what has been made of – the thing on Saturday with the with the Title IX ceremony and the Washington Post putting out that article they put like I I can't believe it's even a thing. I'll be honest with you. I can't even believe it's a thing. I I cannot believe it's a thing. Um I it feels like the biggest, the most non-issue of all time. You know what I mean? I I just I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I understand in football season, the emotions get going and, you know, things get crazy. I, I, but I just can't believe it's even a story. I, I can't believe it's even a story. So that's why you haven't really seen me give it, give it any attention because I'm, I'm just – I didn't know it was something that was getting attention, honestly, until I started seeing some stuff pop up and started seeing some others on my timeline talk about it. I'm like, wow, this is actually a thing. Um, and anybody who's listened to Shane Beamer long enough, I mean, the, the, the guy has supported women's sports – adamantly over and over and over again you know he's got daughters like i i just it's it's yeah it's wild like it's anyways um 
Yeah, we can talk about that if you guys really want to and you want to call in and give your opinion. Um, we can talk about that. But also, we're, we, you know, moving ahead to this game on Saturday. And again, we're going to get Alex McGrath in here in just a second. Great opportunity this weekend for the Gamecocks to have something to feel good about, right? You've, you've lost back-to-back games. And, and I would say this. I don't think you've really felt good all season, right? Yeah, you haven't. I mean, that's a fact. You haven't. Because even in your one win, it was so ugly, right, that we left that, that season opener dissatisfied. And then obviously your last two games, I mean, you lose, right? You lose. So <clears throat> you don't really leave those feeling all great, warm, and fuzzy either. So maybe this game against Charlotte serves as an opportunity to really go into a ball game, execute, score a lot of points, play good football, and leave the game and going into next week feeling good about something, right? I see all the people on social media say, well, it doesn't matter. Who cares about this game? It's it's a lose-lose. You either beat the hell out of Charlotte and you were supposed to, or you don't, and it's even more embarrassing. But see, I, I just disagree. I don't look at the next two games as a lose-lose. I, I don't look at the next two games as they mean nothing. Like, in the grand scheme of things, are we going to call the season successful because you beat Charlotte and South Carolina State? No, we're not. But in regards to this team, as Steven Garcia mentioned yesterday, building confidence, right? We're only three games in, and it's still an offense. That's specifically what we're focused on. It's still an offense that has a bunch of new pieces, trying to all figure it out, get on the same page, build some chemistry. These are the two weeks to do it, man. These are the two weeks to do it. Figure it out, build confidence. It might not mean anything to you, But it doesn't matter. You aren't playing the games. This is a huge two weeks for our players, our coaches, our football team, again, to build as much confidence as possible going into Kentucky. Then we can all have debate, hey, how much did the confidence really mean? But if you don't have that confidence going into Lexington, you won't stand a chance. So, you know, I'm just excited to see over these next two weeks, and again, starting on Saturday, if they can start to build that confidence. Because, again, you're going to need that going into Kentucky and for the back half of your schedule. And that goes without saying, obviously. So, I mean, you know, that's what I'm looking forward to. Also, it'd be a lot of fun just, excuse me, from the fan perspective to watch us beat the hell out of somebody after the last couple of weeks. Um, It'd be fun to watch us beat the hell out of somebody, truly. Um, Let's see. Tim Dorn, so I, I can tell Tim Dorn is on one today because he told me, where, where's my video calling for, for Marcus Satterfield's job? Listen, Tim, I, I, I can tell you this, Tim, I am on no man's schedule. I am on no man's timeline. No man's other than my own, Tim. So, as I've said before, I scratch my head when it itches. I only dance when I hear music. I will call for a coach's job when I feel. It's the best time to do so. Am I... Am I telling you I'm some Marcus Satterfield stand here on this Tuesday and I'm I'm defending him to a fault and telling you how great he is over and over? I'm not saying that. I'm not saying I don't have doubts of Marcus Satterfield. No question. I mean, the offense just hasn't performed. I don't care if you want to blame it on his scheme or the way he's using certain players. Or The bottom line is the offense has not performed. Bottom. That's the bottom line. I don't give a damn what the reason is. That's the bottom line. I am holding off on being the conductor of the fire Satterfield train 
because I am very curious, again, to see if they can take the next two weeks, build something, build some confidence, as I was just talking about, and go into Kentucky and put together their best performance of the season against quality competition, no doubt, right? That, that to me, that's the game where it all sort of comes to a head, as I said yesterday. That's where it all sort of comes to a head for me. It's like if the offense, give Kentucky credit too, by the way, but the, I, I, even, even with their ranking, I, I don't see Kentucky as some juggernaut. I, I still don't. I still don't. It'll be interesting to see how they fare in that game the week before they play us. Um, they got Ole Miss that day, and they actually play them. They actually play them at the same exact time, right? They actually play them at the same exact time, noon, as we play SC State. So, um, that'd be interesting. But, uh, anyways, anyways, I, I'm just curious to see if 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 we can get it figured out by them. That that's where the season comes to a head for me. If you go into Kentucky and the offense still looks pathetic, and you can't score, well, then, then I think at that point, it's like, it, it ain't going to get better. And at that point, I probably wouldn't, would not be opposed to an adjustment being made during the bye week, right? Because the definition of insanity, right, doing the same thing over and over and over and over and over again and expecting a different result. So let's see what happens over the next couple of weeks. That's all I'm saying. I'm not telling you that Marcus Satterfield is the long-term answer. I, guys, I promise you, like, I'm not, I'm not on USC's payroll, obviously, right? I'm completely independent of USC. I think a lot of people get that, get that twisted. They see some of my content. They're like, why is USC putting this out? I'm completely independent. I can say whatever I want to say, right? I, I'm just... I'm very curious to see if we can use these next two weeks to figure something out and, and, and launch ourselves into a big second half. That's, that's all I'm saying. That's just, that's where I'm at. Um, all right, we're going to go ahead. I just shot over the link to Alex McGrath. We're going get to him, get him in here in just a second. Guys, I appreciate you all tuning in, man. This, the week's off to a hot start. Um, again, thank you all so much for the continued love and support, man. Dana Beers, shout out to Dana Beers, by the way. If you don't know who Dana Beers is, he is one of the Barstool Sports Boys. Um, he is picking his favorite college team, going on a tour, if you will. He'll be in Columbia for the South Carolina Tennessee game. He actually, we sent him over a care package to get him stocked up for his trip to Columbia. And uh, he just posted that on his Instagram story. So I want to say thank you to Dana Beers. We'll also have Dana Beers on the podcast. Very, very soon, so I'm looking forward to that. All right, he's in the studio. Let's get him in here now. Alex McGrath joins us every single Tuesday. Alex, what's going on, my friend? How you doing? Doing good, buddy. How are you this afternoon? I'm doing well. Alex, let me uh, – I don't know if you noticed this the last time you were on. It sounded like there was a pig oinking under your desk every time you spoke last week. Did you notice that? I did not. I don't – here, I'm gonna try to I'm gonna try to kick you and bring you back in because it happened last week and I ignored it for probably this the whole 30 minutes we were going. But uh <laughs> I, I don't yeah, it's it's weird. It's like I don't know if it's like an audio reverb or what's going on. It's probably a melon issue, which is the streaming platform we use. 
So yep. I'm gonna kick you and get you to rejoin. So we're gonna try that. All right. You can still you can still hear it, I say. Oh, I can hear you fine. It's just like every like five seconds, it's like a this deep reverb that literally sounds like a pig. I don't know how else to explain it. I, yeah, I don't know. Fascinating. I, I don't know. All right, I'm gonna kick you. Just jump back in. We'll try to figure this out. We'll we'll we'll, we'll figure Got it. it out. Okay, I, I just, yeah, it, it's, <laughs> I ignored it all that entire segment last week. I, I, I know how annoying it is. Um, I'm going to just tell him maybe, maybe don't do his AirPods. Maybe if he's got to just do the phone audio, because I, I don't know. I don't know why. We didn't have that problem yesterday with Garcia. So maybe it's his AirPods. I don't know. Technology's great until it isn't, guys. Uh, Lady Bree, we got you the whole time. Good, Lady, Lady Bree, definitely call back or call in after uh, Alex gets off here. Here we go. All right, we're going to try this again. Alex, what, look, give me like an audio test or something. Test? It sounds good now, I think. Okay, good. Okay, I think we're better. All right, if it, if it messes up again, I'll tell you. But no, literally, I, I'm going to send you uh, I'm going to send you a clip from last week because you can hear it. Because it's like, it'd be like every five seconds, it's like, it's like a every, and people were commenting about it last week. I just, I just didn't want to, yeah. I did my best. Yeah, somebody said it was the like the Must Champ Demons or something. Must Champ Hackers. <laughs> Must Champ Hackers back at it. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Either way, um, this streaming platform we use too, it's it's a little finicky, but either way, we're good. Anyways, Alex, appreciate you taking the time. Thanks so much for doing this. How was the weekend outside of the obvious? Uh, it was it was it was a great weekend, man. I got I was down in Charleston, got to catch up with uh some friends play a little golf on saturday just you know it was a good it was a good little weekend outside of the game what what course did you hit up do you want to shout out the golf course or uh did a little uh member guest down at yeman's hall yeman's hall can't say i've heard of it but sounds fancy (laughs) it's it's a good track it's a good track yeah well i know we still need to play in greenville and i haven't even touched my club since i've gotten to greenville so we'll definitely have to do that but uh yeah, and it's been beautiful I know. weather. I'll keep it. I'll keep yeah. inviting you. So yeah, no, we'll, we'll I, keep dude, it going. no, I, I will be able to go here very soon. I promise you. And it's it's uh, it's uh, it's been beautiful weather for it too lately. Let, let's let's go ahead and dive into it, Alex. We have got to rip off the band aid. Talk about the game. It's funny. I was sitting here like maybe me and Alex could just spend twenty minutes talking about something else. I don't know. <laughs> we do we do President's Cup predictions. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, like, Wait, hold whatever, on. Wait, when is that? When is that coming up? President's Cup coming That's up this weekend. Oh, it's this weekend. Good, good, good deal. Yeah, depending on how our offense looks Saturday, I might uh, might just have to switch over. I don't know. Um, anyways, though, the, the, the game against Georgia, you know, I, 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 we, we both, I think, had low expectations going in the game, right? We, we, we know how good Georgia is. If you didn't know, you certainly know now. Um, top to bottom, you know, we knew they had the advantage at every single position. But watching that game Saturday, 48-7, to 7, just overall thoughts on that ball game. What, did anything shock you or surprise you by the way that game? Went? I mean, it, it, admittedly, no. I mean, the most shocking thing I would say, I just just to have no pulse or life on really either side of the ball to start that game was just kind of it was disheartening to watch more than anything else. It was just like there wasn't even like a hint of hope at any point in that game. And that's just, that makes it tough to watch. Yeah. And I I think that's the biggest issue, Alex. And we'll go ahead and just dive into the offensive side. Um, 
Man, you know, I, I'm not someone that's the leader. If you listen to anything I've said, obviously, to this point, I'm not someone that's the conductor of the fire Marcus Satterfield train. But I certainly will not come down on anyone who, who is who is having their serious doubts. And even if you want to say you think a change is necessary, like there's nothing to defend Satterfield at this point. There's nothing to back up and say, well, here's five reasons why he's actually the perfect fit. Like, there is none of that, right? Because at the end of the day, I don't care what you want to blame, scheme, putting players in certain positions, play calling itself. Like, the performance on the field is not good enough. The job's not getting done. And I'll say this. I think what's interesting about the reactions, we kind of all knew, though, like the Georgia game was not going to be the measuring stick. Like, let's see how good the offense is against the number one defense in the country, Brett. But uh, – I, I tell, and I'm I'm someone, Alex. Admittedly, like I don't complain about play calling. I feel like nearly as much as some others because I've just talked to so many guys that are football guys behind the scenes or what have you, and they talk about it's it's personnel over scheme. Like you can have the best scheme in the world, the best OC, but if you don't have the personnel to execute what you want to do, or you just flat out don't have the personnel to go up against a team like Georgia, like it won't matter, right? But at the same time. You look at some of those third down calls. I, I mean, you, you just you look at like the lack of creativity, especially in a game when you're such a massive underdog. You know what I mean? Like your your overall thoughts on on the the scheme, the creativity or lack thereof that you saw on Saturday. So I don't. I, I'm certainly not going to go out there and lead the fire Satterfield conversation either. 2021 was a tough watch on offense. I think we could all agree. And, like, I remember, like, that train getting kicked up, like, in the middle – well, certainly after the Texas A&M game, but just kind of, like, in the middle of that season. And I remember, like, watching the Clemson game and watching a couple of bad picks get thrown. It's like, what are we doing with this play calling? And I remember watching those plays on replay and being like, oh, well, there's somebody running by themselves – 15 yards down the field and we just didn't throw it there. And I heard those comments in the post game from Beamer. It's just like, you know, the plays are there. We've just got to go make them. And then, you know, watching the replays again from Saturday, you know, that pick that Spencer threw on the wheel route to Juju, Jalen Brooks is running, beating his man on the other side of the field. And so I will say this in regards to like, look, you are, you are correct in a sense that you can have the greatest scheme in the world. And it's not the X's and O's it's the Jimmy's and Joe's, but at some point you have to be able to tailor your offensive approach for what you do have on the field and try and attempt to make them as successful as possible. I don't know if that's what we're doing or not. And that's why, like, I'm in the weeds on this. I mean, like, I, I, you know, if you did fire Satterfield and you put Freddie Kitchens in there, like, does anything, does it get worse? Probably not. But, you know, I just, I don't know. Yeah, a little bit of a square peg in a round hole type of approach it almost feels like. like you think maybe I mean, Sat's so set in his, like, NFL scheme ways that he just doesn't want to – Make an adjustment. I mean, I'm not going to pretend. I mean, like potentially. I, I know, I'm not going to pretend like I know Sat scheme in and out. I'm like, this is exactly what he's doing. But like, that's what you we've been hearing is it's like it's so complex and it's a it's an NFL scheme and you know. Yeah, I mean, I and that's know. great if you want to if you want to do that. That's perfect. But if you don't have 
the guys to execute that, like, to me, that's where it falls back on coaching is like, you're looking at this group of players over two seasons. Like you've got enough proof in the pudding now, like, can they do this or can they not? And if you're not executing it at a high level in those, you've got dudes open on the field, but we're not getting the ball to them. Like that to me comes back on coaching. That's, that's like an execution issue. Like, what are you telling them in that, meeting room to get that done and it's just you know for the second week in a row you know the pass blockings looks pretty good mm-hmm. and you know yeah. you're getting that time in there to make those reads and get that ball out and it's just like we're it something's not firing right and to me that's where it comes that, that's where it comes back on coaching mm-hmm. is like you've either got to adjust this scheme and do something different to give yourself that opportunity to get points on the board especially in a game that you're a severe underdog in. And it's just like, that's not happening. And I don't know why. Yeah. I mean, really look no further than the bowl game. Like you came out and ran something completely different than you were running before. And you had a ton of success with it or at least changing the scheme, changing the looks and maybe like making that easier to execute. I don't know why we've got kind of gone back to this, but that's, that's what it looks like to me. You know, Alex, speaking on the Jimmies and Joes, and again, we'll go back and forth, back and forth on is it more so scheme, is it more so players? I feel like everybody's got a different opinion on it. I think it's a mixture of both. but you It, know, it I, is I, both. Yeah, yeah, it, it is both. I, but I was going to say on that point, and I'm not trying to come down on him because I, I, don't, I don't think it's – listen, I don't think it's – as I wear the hat, right? Like, I don't think it's time for some change under center. I still think Spencer Rattler is by far this team's best option at quarterback. The question I feel like that's come up every single week has is has Spencer Rattler lived up to expectations? Has he lived up to hype? And now as he sits here with two touchdowns and five picks, and it, it goes beyond the numbers for me. I, I guess I just I look at a game like we saw against Georgia, and I think where my biggest disappointment comes in is I, I really thought, and and maybe this was unfair, I, I really thought his talent was going to be able to overcome other shortcomings if you will right like when you talk about jimmies and joes he is a joe like he is a jimmy you know what i mean like he should be one of those guys and the play that keeps standing out to me is like that fourth down play where listen the o-line fell apart i get it he's got pressure but you got jalen brooks on the cross they got the exact coverage they wanted if you throw it out in front of him he catches it he gets a first down beamer pointed that out in the post game and instead he throws it behind him Brooks catches it, but it's behind him. He gets tackled. They turn over on downs. It's like, I thought those were plays he was going to be making, right? More often than not. And then you mentioned, like, Jalen Brooks is running open on another play. And I talked to some other guys that, again, are guys that have played football for Carolina. We don't have on the airways, but we had before. You can probably add two and two together and know who I'm talking about. But anyways, guys that played football, they're like, there were plays there. There are plays to be made. And they're not being made – and again, I don't pin it all on seven. He needs help, but also he's got to play better. I mean, Spencer, and he yeah. he'd tell he'd tell you that. But I mean, he's just got to play better. And I guess it's it's tough because I feel like because there are other shortcomings on the offensive side, and maybe too you're combating an OC that's not all there. I don't know how else to say it, but um, <laughs> he's got to be even better. You know what I mean? And so we're sat here nitpicking him more and more and more, but. I mean, I just think seven's got to elevate his game, man, bottom line. Because I, I just, you know, you hate hearing after the fact that this play was there, this play was there, this play was there. You know, look back at Arkansas. 
that deep shot's there. This deep shot's there. You got to hit him. He's just he's got to be better yeah. across the board. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's it. It's just that if you, it, but it kind of goes. It kind of goes back. So maybe it's is it too much you're trying to throw at him? Are you are, are you creating indecision in those plays by throwing too much out there to execute? Where if you simplify it down, and it's like you're going here, 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 here. Like if it, I don't know, it's like that. That's where I get lost in the weeds a little bit because this isn't this isn't a new phenomenon with our quarterback room. And that's why I kind of fall back to that. And I'm with you, you know, you think somebody with that talent level can paper over some of those shortcomings and it just hasn't happened. That's not to say he's not going to get better or he's not the best option we have out there. Both of those things will absolutely happen. It's just, yeah, it's just frustrating to watch more than anything else. Well, and and I think too, Alex, you know, solving, a lot of the offensive woes really does come down to solving the running game. Um, you, I don't think you've had a running back accumulate more than, I think, 45 yards in a game individually yet. And granted, hey, Georgia, number one team in the country, number one defense. They weren't, as we talked about, right, they weren't the team to get your running game going against. But when we look towards, because a quarter of this season now in the books, believe it or not, time flies, but a quarter of the season's in the books. A lot of football left. There's nine games. I just I feel like for this offense to reach any sort of potential, you just you got to have a run game. I, I mean, unless we're going to adopt a Mike Leach spread it out air raid, throw it 50 times a game, like I I feel like Marcus Satterfield's scheme. I mean, I guess this was actually Alex. What's funny about this? This was this was after you and I spoke last week when Satterfield on Wednesday drop that quote, that comment about, you know, what's your identity or what do you want it to be? And I'm paraphrasing because I don't have the quote pulled up in front of me, but I'm sure you saw it. He's like, you know, we want to we want to get in 12 or, and 13 personnel and run 58 plays and run for 275 and throw for 220. I mean, bro, we're not even running for 100. <laughs> like, much, much less 275, you know what I mean? So, like, I'll ask you that too. What were your – did you see that quote? And what were your thoughts? I did. I mean, yeah. If you could do that, that would be outstanding. (laughs) But like, but but again, that kind of goes. Why does everybody want to be Alabama? Why does everyone want to be Alabama? Why? And even Alabama's adapted with the times. Why? I I that feels like such a Bama. Like, why does every coach want to be Nick Saban? I feel like, like, I don't know. Am I wrong in saying that? That feels like such like a. Man, like at, le- at least at like a Mississippi State, I know you and I have talked about this before. At least at like a Mississippi State and Ole Miss, they may not win the SEC, but damn it, they're fun to watch. Like I'd rather just spread it out and throw it fifty times. Like honestly, so I, so I'll say this, kind of calculating into that same thing. Like you can't be Alabama if you can't get those guys, right? Right. And so the entire re- like, and again, going back to this, like when I talked about it last week, like June Jones, Mike Leach. Chip Kelly, to some extent, have created incredibly successful programs, creating a scheme that fits the guys that they can get. Right. Like, if you're not going to have the number one recruiting class every year, I have a spoiler alert for you that you're not going to be able to just run it down people's throats consistently like that. Right. Like, there's, there's like the two most recent examples of that are just, you know, Southern Cal and Alabama. They're the only two that have been able to pull that off. You got to coach the guys you got, not the ones you want. Bottom line. That's it. 100%. That's yeah. it. 
And it's in like, how do you put them in the position to be the most successful that they can possibly be? And like Oregon, in a, like a recruiting wasteland, was able to like capitalize on that. Right. They had a system that they were running that they found the right pieces for that made them successful. Like Mike Leach did that wherever he's been at Texas Tech, Washington State. He's doing it in Mississippi State. You know, it's just like you got to find those pieces to get you in the right places to have success on the offensive side of the ball. And, you know, to your point, it's kind of like looking like we're trying to fit a square peg into a round hole. Like, let them do what they're good at. Because, like, we have talented players on the offensive side of the ball. They can go up and get the ball. We've got a quarterback that can distribute it. Like, feature that. Don't try to, like, overcomplicate it and make it like, oh, we're going to make it an NFL attack. So, right. you know. Yeah, I, I guess that's, Alex, too, what frustrates me is because, listen, I'm, I'm someone I'm going I'm to call it as I see it and, and be very honest, brutally honest about the state of the roster and kind of where we're at. But it's like that gets exhausting because at the same time I'm like, damn, like I don't think we just have a bunch of bad players. Like I, you know what I mean? We like, don't. We got, some, we, we got some good players, especially offensively. Like, I, I don't want to believe that we just don't have anybody. Like, this isn't the bad news bears we're rolling out there on a weekly basis. Like, um, no. Yeah. So. No, absolutely yeah. not. And that's, the, the, but that just adds to the, the you know, the, the maddening of it. Right. right it's right, just like, right. how is this possible? Like we've got dudes in there that can play and that are going to play next year on Sundays. And so I don't know. It's yeah. I'm not in the room. I, these are just, you know, like just watching it as much as I have since forever. Um, like, that's just what it looks like to me. It's like, you're trying to do something that not everybody's on the same page for. And it's like, we can give a pass to that for 21. Mm -hmm. Now it's that looks worse. Now, Alex, moving to the defensive side, <clears throat> I was wanting to I'm, – I'm pulling up these statistics really quickly um, through three games, right? Because we, we all want to talk – we all want to talk offense. I mean, that, that that's certainly the thing that stands out in the first three. But defensively, you know, Shane Beamer made the point, we haven't exactly been the 85 Chicago Bears. And, dude, we've given up over 1,300 yards on defense, 700 of it in rushing in three games. 200 against Georgia State, 295 against Arkansas, 208 against Georgia. Where do you stand? And again, Arkansas and Georgia, maybe not the best tests, right, for the defense and kind of where they are. I mean, these are, you're, you're going to have much more manageable matchups as the season goes on. I think you and I would agree. But also a defense we talked about in the preseason, and I voiced one of my biggest concerns or just things I was intrigued to see. Can they force turnovers at the same rate? that they did last season. You got one turnover through three games. You forced zero turnovers in two SEC games. Where do you stand on the defense? Are, are you are you concerned moving forward? Is it something that you feel like, again, the matchups will swing back in our favor and, and uh, all will be right again? Or is this something you think could be a long-term issue defensively? <sighs> It, it, it's it's unless you can get unless you can start creating turnovers i think it's going to be an issue throughout the season and i like look i know we're playing down a bunch of dudes this past weekend and even against arkansas that being said we still did give up 200 rushing yards to georgia state and so like that issue continues to persist and 
I don't know that that's something you can just solve overnight. And it's, it's something that's going to linger. And so where you got, where last year they got papered over, just creating a ton of turnovers, like with the absence of that, it's um, reared its ugly head. Right. And that could be a tough scene coming down the stretch. Now, Alex, I feel like it's no secret as we move off the Georgia game mercifully and go into the Charlotte game. <laughs> but, but from the fan perspective, you know, whenever you get – you have a start of the season like we've had, you, you get beat down over the weekend like you did. You, you can't help but feel – I feel like it's just human nature from the fan side to have sort of a, a quote-unquote hangover from that game. And, you know, you've got a, a team like Charlotte coming in. It's like, man, like it's, it's, not, it's not as easy to get fired up and excited for that and – you know, I, I'm really curious to see what attendance will be like on Saturday night, to be totally honest with you. I, I will venture to say it won't be a packed house. I, I mean, I hate to say it, but probably not. Um, from the player perspective, though, how do you not let that creep in? Right? I talked this a little bit with Steven Garcia yesterday. H- how do you stay, you know, because you hear coaches all the time talk about it, you know, it's and, and Steve Spurrier obviously talked about it a ton. Like, we, we approach every game the same way. It's a nameless, faceless opponent. Um, it's much easier to say that than live by that, right? Like, I, I, I'm, you know, you have to – you don't have to motivate yourself to play Georgia, right? It's, it's, it's a little bit different when you're playing Furman or SC State or, or whatever. So, from the player side of things, how do you avoid that hangover and go and attack this Charlotte game the right way on Saturday night? I mean, honestly, I think it's probably going to be a, a rush of excitement for a lot of the guys after playing back-to-back top 10 opponents where you've just kind of gotten like, not, well, certainly one of those you got smothered, but you know, the other one you're at least competitive in just, to, just to have that opportunity to get back out there and fix the issues that have crept up so far and be able to go out there and perform better than you have. And that, like, this is a sterling opportunity to do that. And so I think that would probably be the main motivation for most of these guys coming out there. I mean, certainly like coach speak, we treat every game the same, like, sure you do like from a preparation standpoint. Um, But the, the the motivating factor I think is what gets you into trouble in those lesser opponents, not the right word, but just not a marquee matchup. And, but given kind of what's happened the last two weeks, I think I don't know that that would be a problem because it's giving you a chance to go back out there to ha- a much better chance to have that success and rebuild that confidence that may have been lost over the last two weeks. And I think that's the, what the motivating factor for them is going to be. You know, Alex, it's funny. We say lesser opponent. Charlotte beat Georgia State over the weekend. Saw that. Saw that. That's um... <laughs> Granted, granted, on that note, though, uh, I'm sure you also saw my post. Charlotte has literally, statistically, the worst defense in college football right now, allowing like 560-something yards per game, 45 points per game. And, and you know, this is a ball game where, I mean, you – you know, it's funny because I, somebody asked me yesterday, you know, how much would it take for Marcus Satterfield to score this weekend to get back in good graces with Gamecock fans? I said, I don't think that number exists. I, I, don't, I don't think they could score enough this weekend. But – Certainly, Alex, I know you and I agree, you know, this next two weeks and starting with this game on Saturday, I'm excited for it because I feel like this is truly now an opportunity to, you know what, we've had a tough start of the season. Let's get back somewhat to square one. Let's figure out against manageable competition who we are, 
what we're good at, what we want to do, who our playmakers are, our dependable guys week in, week out. Let's get seven rolling. Let's get a run game going. Let's push somebody else around. I'm not saying winning big Saturday, winning big against SC State. That, that doesn't, right? Nobody's going to ride home about that and be bragging about that at the season's end. But maybe, just maybe, that can set up and build some confidence, right, going into the back stretch Absolutely. of the season and going into the final seven games or so. Oh, yeah. No, that's the most important part of this game is being able to get back in there and build that confidence after the last two weeks. Just to go, just to prove that you can do it and maybe get into some cohesive, cohesive flow from an offensive standpoint that you can then carry forward. Like after the SEC game, after the SEC state game going into Kentucky, where it's like, hey, we've kind of fixed this issue and we were able to do it in a live game scenario, like rather than just doing it at practice and then you get jumbled around. So that, that that's the that's the silver lining of the Charlotte game this week. Like, let's go get better and fix these issues and build that confidence back up for these guys. Yeah, I mean, I think the goal should be to score every time you touch it. Score every possession. I mean, literally score every single possession. I mean, I again, I, I don't know that a number really exists that you're like, well, th- this will make me feel like the offense is set up for success for the rest of the year. But I, I really think, man, the next two weeks, the goal should be to score 50-plus. And, and, like, what's interesting about it, Alex, is I really, before the season, looked at these two games. And, again, I'm not trying to, like, jump ahead of Charlotte and talk SC State, but they're both very similar ball games, in my opinion, um, in regards to the way you view them. <clears throat> but I looked at these two games as opportunities to get young guys in, Tanner Bailey, Braden Davis, you know, get Luke Doty snaps, get, get guys that don't play. And while I still would like to see that happen, I don't know, Alex. Like, I, I feel like almost you need to keep your starters in there and just have them continue to get in-game reps, continue to build chemistry, continue to establish some field. And that goes for both sides of the football, really. Because this entire team just, again, needs something to feel good about. You know, they've been beat up so badly these last couple of weeks. Even the, even the season opening win, right? We left that disgruntled. I, I mean, we haven't felt good yet this season. No. <laughs> no, not really. Um, which... It's a far cry from the uh, preseason excitement, but you know, you know, you know. I hope you're right. I hope it's a game that you can get like ton of reps to a ton of guys, and then it's not three to nothing at halftime. In which case, God, God, God. oh my God! Yeah, they shouldn't let. Like I can't, I can't get the image. I'm sure you've seen it with like Virginia Tech played Wake Forest, like at oh, Wake yeah. Forest, and the game ended at 0-0, and there's that great capture of, like, Beamer, Frank yeah. Beamer with both his arms in the air. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> that one. And, of course, the only now, every, every, time, every time Shane, you know, ha- has some celebratory moment we're losing, everybody's screen grabbing it. And he – I mean, he had one, honestly, he had one uh, – started the second half of the game Saturday. We're down 24 to nothing. He's on the sideline, like, doing this. It's like – Everything's on TV. So, oh, well, I don't know. What do you do? Um, Alex, I appreciate you taking the time. On, on that note, one last thing. I, I'm not going to ask you about the it, – it, dude, social media is – a new victim is just claimed weekly. I mean, it really is. It just – it really, really – that's how it works, right? That's just how it works. And so – oh, I think we just lost Alex for a second. There he is. Okay, cool. I lost you for a second. You're good. Yep, sorry. No, no, no. I had a call come in. Sorry. Oh, you're good. You're good. You're good. Anyway, so 
social media just claims a new victim weekly, right? And it's and it's 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 been so wild to see. I'm, and I'm sure you've seen it, right? Since Saturday, the the title nines. I'm not I'm not getting into that. I just I think it's like the wild. I can't even believe it's a story. I really can't. But I've seen what's been shocking to me, a bit shocking. And I understand you lose 48 to seven, right? It's not acceptable. I don't care what state the program's in. We should never be okay with just getting our doors blown off. Well, it's, it's fine. No, it's not fine. No, and nobody's saying it's fine. Shane's not saying it's fine. Nobody's saying it's fine. It's not fine. But I've seen people, like, throwing out messages of, like, reinforcement for Shane. We believe in you. We stand by you. And that's all great. But I'm like, I'm like, I just can't believe it's necessary. Like, are people really, like, starting to let doubt creep in about a head coach that is in game going now into game four of his second year. Is that, is that where we are, Alex, as college football fans? We're like, you don't get longer than like two years to get it going or you're just, you're just out. You're just done. Like the roster isn't even his players. You know, and I'm not trying to just like build every excuse in the books, but I, I just, I guess that's just been surprising. I, I, I know impatience is a real thing. And I guess, too, what's tough about it, Alex, is, is fans do see the success that a guy like Josh Heifel's having, for example. Right? They see, which I don't think this means much of anything, but Billy Napier beating Utah in week one. Granted, they lost to Kentucky the next game. Um, but you see, I guess, some coaches around the country and, and, and them having success. And I, I don't know, Alex. I, I feel like you and I are probably on the same page. I, I just I've been surprised by some of the – the Beamer chatter, I, I just feel like it's – I have no doubts about Beamer. It's year two. We got our asses kicked by Georgia. It is what it is. It won't define the season. We move on. Like, I, I'm just – I guess I've been just surprised at the amount of, like, the chatter some folks have felt like is necessary supporting our coaches. Like, well, no duh, we support him. Like, I, I, feel, I feel like all level-headed fans already know that. On that note, I think I think the tough part is like Heupel at Tennessee. Is he? Are they having more success than we are? I, I mean, I guess they went what eight and four last year. Well, they actually went uh, eight and five. They actually went seven and six, exact same record as us. Okay, went, so they, yeah, they, they, they went. They went seven and five in the regular season, lost the bowl game, but ended up the same exact record as us. Yeah, so there's that. Um, you know, Napier's in year one, beat Utah, lose to Kentucky, almost lose to South Florida. I don't know that anybody's, like, screaming to the moon about Billy Napier right now. Um, I think, honestly, what it is, these – these and I think I heard you say this somewhere else, these teams don't look that discernibly different than what we had with Muschamp. And I think that's where the frustration is coming from more so than anywhere else. It's like, you know, the, what happened at Tennessee is like, you know, you get rid of uh, Jeremy Pruitt. Yeah, you get rid of Jeremy Pruitt, you bring Josh Heupel in, all of a sudden you're this like offensive explosion machine, right? So it looks different, even though the result isn't horrifically different. Um, you know, I, I still don't totally understand why they fired Dan Mullen, neither here nor there. Um, but, you know, they bring... Billy Napier, and you have a big first game, but then you kind of start to peter out a little bit after that. And so, like, the reassuring messages for Shane Beamer, like, coming into what he came into, you know, taking over a program that went 4-8 and eight and then 2-8, and eight, 
you gotta you gotta have time to build that back up but i think what people are or where you see the reassuring messages or where you even see the doubt start to creep in is just that the games don't look all that different than they did and i think that's the problem I mean, that's fair. I mean, that's – and that's fair. And I, I think, obviously, going back to offensive struggles. And, and, again, we talked about year yeah. two, how you win, how you lose. And, I mean, that listen, that's actually a very fair point. I mean, to, to your point, I, there's not much you can say to refute that. You know what I mean? Because I, I, the biggest thing that's changed and is different is the overall vibe and the feeling around the program, right? Love, love your brother. Absolutely. Love all else. That has completely changed. But as you and I both know and everybody knows, at the end of the day – and I've said this since he was hired. I love Shane Beamer, right? I'm still behind Shane Beamer 120%. I don't feel like I really have to say that. I wouldn't I wouldn't wear his name on my body, on my merchandise, if I thought he was a bum. I wouldn't do it. I right. just wouldn't. Right. But no man is immune to the pressures and the consequences of not winning. Like nobody. I don't give a damn how much feel. Look at Scott Frost. He was an alum of Nebraska, played for them, and they hated his guts. At the end, like if you're not winning, none of the other stuff matters. I mean, Muschamp showed it. There was a point in time, folks loved the guy. They loved him. And, but when you don't win, none of it matters. So I, I know, again, I say all that. I know you and I are both still 120% behind Beamer. I, I just don't even feel like it needs. I just think the, I understand, I guess it's normal reaction to, to losing the way you did. But I do agree with you. I, I do agree with you, and, and maybe some of it's the results still kind of look the same because it's still kind of the same roster. But I can understand why that's frustrating. You know what I mean? I, I can, and, and you need to see oh, those yeah. results. Bottom line is you need to see those results change, right? You need to see those results change. All that, all that offseason talk and chatter and love and above all else is great, but and Beamer knows that. It all comes down to the scoreboard. That's it. So, um, I, I'm confident still recruiting is still great. By all accounts, they had a great recruiting weekend as well, and I think things will be fine. And the hope, obviously, and the expectation is get a big win this weekend. Everything else will take care of itself, and you can at least start to build some confidence, some goodwill, some mojo, some momentum, whatever you want to call it. And then I feel like, Alex, the season's going to sort of come to a head in Lexington, Kentucky against the Wildcats. So, uh, last thing, Alex, I, before I get you out I of here. I agree with you. Yeah, I, I think it's going to come to a head then. Last thing before I get you out of here, uh, what's a higher total? Your average front nine score or the amount of points South Carolina will score on Saturday? I sincerely hope <laughs> it is the amount of points that we score on Saturday. I, I wasn't trying to, by the way, like talk down in your golf games. I, I feel like, you know. I no, can, no, no, you know, no, 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 no. I mean, I think, well, I <sighs> – yeah, I, I sincerely hope it's the amount of points we score. Because <laughs> I would I would love to see us end with something with a four or five in front of it. That, I think that would make everybody feel much better. Yeah. So, Alex McGrath, self-proclaimed out here, shooting in the uh, in, in the 30s. That's Yeah, you're a player. He's a stick. He's a stick, confirmed. Right, he listen, is man. a stick. He is a stick. Every once in a while. So, some people have to work for a living. Alex McGrath is on the golf course. So. I mean, you got to hustle. Yeah. You, that, that's when you know, right? You start shooting with those threes. You're like, all right, you're playing too much, McGrath. Get off the course, get back in the office. <laughs> that's, yeah, nah, there's probably something to do that. I love it. Alex, always a pleasure, my friend. Appreciate you doing it. Uh, we'll talk again next week. All right. That sounds good, buddy. All right, man. Take care.
Great stuff as always from Alex McGrath. Really, really fun. Uh, great conversation. Really appreciate him taking the time each and every single week. Guys, we're going to jump into a quick break. But on the other side, we are going to take your questions, your comments, your calls, and more here on The Daily Crow. You're tuned in and we'll be right All right, guys, we're back. Taking your questions, comments, calls as well. 843-790-3377. Again, want to say thank you to Alex McGrath for taking the time to chat, give his perspective on Gamecocks football, but the phone lines are now open. Guys, Shane Beamer going to speak to the media at 1.30, so we will not take another break for the rest of this show. Also, I will say um, I've got Michael Bratton, in a conversation, we were scheduled or are scheduled to speak at 2 o'clock. So, uh, I may cut the Beamer presser a little bit earlier than it actually ends. Um, so, I'll just let you guys know, obviously, when we hit 2 o'clock. Who knows? Beamer might be done speaking at that point. Here, let's jump to the phone. Hunter, what's up, man? How are you? Hey, I'm doing good. What about you? I'm doing well, man. Appreciate you asking. What's going on? Um, nothing much. Uh, yeah, so I've seen the Georgia game, obviously, and, uh, yeah, they're num- they're, they're, they're the number one Georgia team at all, but I expected at least through the first through uh, third quarter, or, yeah, third quarter, at least one touchdown by Spencer, and we ain't got shit, to be honest. I mean, I don't, I don't know what's going to go out for this whole season, but, I mean, uh, Satterfield's just got to do something because, I mean, third down, putting DK in, that was just a dumb call. And I kind of get where Shane was coming from when he was talking about it, but I just don't know where, where he's coming from with it, to be honest. I mean, yeah, dude. I, like, mean, I feel like if we yeah. got that, I feel like if we got, I feel like if you would have left Spencer there instead of putting DK in, maybe put him in that first down or something like that. But I feel like we would have gotten a good start if you know if he stayed, if he let Spencer in. I mean, listen, yeah, you the 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 third down call. Um. Yeah. Yeah. It was was baffling to say the least. Put, putting the carry on joiner in in that situation, it was baffling to say the least. So I listen. I I got it no issues. Yeah, I got no issues with anybody doubting that decision. And uh, you know, Shane Beamer defended it because he said that you know he gave Satterfield the green light that it was two down territory. And but the announcers made the point, and I, I agree with them wholeheartedly that it's like you, because here here's the problem with that third down call. You bring Spencer Rattler in, right? You do everything in your power to land this guy from the transfer portal. He he is your dude. He's QB1, right? He's who you're building your offense around, literally. And the first third down of the game against the number one ranked Georgia Bulldogs, a, a, a pivotal third down, right, to get the game off to a positive start, you take him out. Right. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It just I, – I, I don't care how you spin it. I don't care what you want. I don't care if you had two downs. It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense, man. If you had two downs, yeah, I would yeah, have rather nice. I would have rather tried to throw it twice. If you had two downs – Yeah, that's, like that's why, what I'm thinking, too. We should have – Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, say again. No, I was just going to say, I mean, how – you put in a carry on joiner and he doesn't even throw it. I mean, that joiner running is just like, like – they know what's coming. They know it's coming, you know. So. Yeah, we we suck at we suck at running the ball. I mean, I don't even know what that call was. Like, mm-hmm. 
they, they, they knew we sucked at it. And, I mean, there was a couple runs that, that were pretty good. But, I mean, they we should have at least got a couple touchdowns. I mean, last year we had, like, two touchdowns on that um, on that drive. And mm. I don't know what was going on with this year. I really don't. But the only problem is for this weekend, I guess we'll find out if uh, defense or offense is, is going to step up with uh, – because it's Charlotte. I mean, I, I've never watched the Charlotte football team before. So, I guess we'll see. Yeah, I mean, we bo- both should step up. It, we, we, we need a dominating type of performance. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, if the offense doesn't really click at all, then that definitely needs to go, especially against the Charlotte or South Carolina State. I mean, come on. Hard for me to argue with you, man. <laughs> Hard for me to argue yeah. with you. When, yeah. When you. Yeah, I mean, you know, you, you need a positive performance, bottom line, against both those teams. <clears throat> Yeah, I feel like I feel like Satterfield's definitely got a chip on his shoulder for sure this year. I would certainly hope so, my friend. Certainly hope so. Yeah, that's true. All right, well, that's all. I just had to get that out of my system. Yeah, Hunter. No, I appreciate the call, my friend. Always a pleasure chatting. No with problem, you. man. Yeah, Take, man. It Take care. Uh, let me get into this question. By the way, he's commented I think twice. I apologize, I missed it. Tyler Knoll. Chris, let me pose this to you. How can you say? that Spencer is the best option at quarterback when you've never seen a fully healthy Luke Doty under center in a game. Also, I know how high you are on Spencer, and I think he has an electric arm, no doubt, but he lost his job at OU for a reason. I think he has the tools to be a great quarterback, but his decision-making have been questionable at best through the first three weeks. He's got to get better, man, plain and simple. Tyler, first things first, Spencer Rattler's got to get better. As we talked about with Alex McGrath, no question he's got to get better. You know what's interesting, though? The phone lines. Yeah, we'll go ahead and jump. Some people think Luke Doty's not even an SEC quarterback, and some people think he's starting over Spencer Rattler. Interesting, right? Bree, what's going on? How are you? <laughs> Good. Hey, guys. So, um, you know, uh, you know, the other day I, met, I mentioned on Twitter to you, Chris, that I was like, man, I am going to have a hard time finding positives from that game. You know, right. and in the comments, I got somebody saying we must have been watching a different game. And no, we weren't. Trust me, because that's how I felt watching the game, getting to the end of that game. Dude, listen, here's what I did Sunday, which is not normally what I've been doing. I just went outside. I was so freaking shut down. I didn't even want to look at football the rest of the day. I didn't watch another game. I didn't want to see football. I got up Monday morning and I said, I, or Sunday morning, I said, I have a job to do. I have got to break down this footage like I said I was going to do. And so I got to work. I broke down play by play by play by play by play by play. And I'm telling you, when you go and analyze it like that, and I'm talking about put it in rewind, see exactly where somebody was over and over and over again. And that's a lot of hard work from my end when I don't have like uh, coaches' footage. You know what I mean? They got all those good angles when they're breaking their plays down, right? You know, I, I don't get all that. I get a broadcast view of what I'm seeing. But when I broke it down and stuff, honestly, man, and, and, and the biggest thing I keep defending is the O-line. And, you know, Alex has said the same thing. O-line looked good back in Arkansas, too. And I said that last week. You know, everybody's like, you're crazy. No, we weren't that good in Arkansas. I'm like, um, yeah, if we had ran it more, we might have had a successful running game. And I was like, no, no, no. And then other people said the same thing, right? You know, you right. start hearing the – uh, the analysts saying the same thing, and then Marcus says the same thing in the uh, press conference. And I told you guys he was going to probably try to come back and run it a little too much. 
in this game. And, and he did just a little too much. But he was establishing a run game, guys, in the Georgia game. I know it's hard to see. I know it's hard to see that our O-line actually is holding up. And I hate to say it now, if I go back and I break down the Arkansas game the way I did the UGA game, and I go back and I break down the Georgia State game the way I, I broke down the UGA game, we're going to see a lot more with our offense is, is potentially on Spencer than I want it to be. I don't want to say it's Spencer, but it, he's not adjusted yet. I, I don't know if it is it. If he's not, if he's going to adjust or not, I, I hope he does. Let me tell y'all something. I am the biggest Spencer Rattler fan. I don't want to be critiquing the kid. You know, I want to say that he, he he's amazing and he is and is loaded with so much potential. And he's developing, and that's why I also said he might be here two years. You know, I mean, not just one, and that might not be a bad thing. He might have had that in his plan. He might have known he needed to develop. I haven't heard anything but humble things from that kid. So I'm, I, I hate even challenging that some of the issues we're seeing are more with Spencer than the O-line itself. But I did break all this stuff down, and there are plays that our O-line definitely broke down on. But you got to keep in mind who they broke down on against. Um, they, they they held up a lot better against Arkansas than they did Georgia, for sure. As I say, you got to keep in mind who that's against. But they did potentially give Spencer more time mm. than we're thinking if he made some movements in the pocket. Um, Spencer's not doing a good, a good job as somebody else as Alex had brought up, you know, um, where he's keeping an eye off of an intended receiver like Juju, but Brooks was open, mm. you know. Those are the things that are going on. And, and unfortunately, you know, where a play call from Satterfield might be really good, it might not be getting executed properly. And it's not always on the O-line, guys. Yeah. There is a mix of problems. You know what I mean? There's a mix of problems. Yeah, I mean, there, and, there were, there and, were and plays. It, I thought like, there were plays to be made for sure. I, I, I thought there were plays to be made. Um, you know, it, it's a mix of problems. Like you said, I don't think it's one thing. But I talked to enough folks and, and went back and watched the game. And, you know, it's, it's especially against the Georgia, you, you focus on those plays that aren't made even more because you don't get many of them against Georgia. So, and that's an SEC play. You just, you have to be better. I mean, you have to make the plays that are there because it's not like you're getting an abundance of opportunities like you're going to see in probably the Charlotte and SC State game. Like you, you got to make the plays when they're there. I mean, we saw it in the missed deep shots against Arkansas. You go back to Georgia and you look, and there's certain plays where guys are open, and and uh, you know again, it, it, it Spencer's got to be better. I and mean, we can talk play calling and scheme, and I mean that that certainly, hey, Satterfield deserves all the criticism I think he's getting because at the end of the day, he's the one behind the controls. If the offense doesn't perform, shit flows downhill, as Stephen Garcia said. But Seven's got to play better. I mean, there's no question, Seven has yep. to play better. And I still and I still give that same analysis that Spencer's not you know got to live up better. But also, real simple, I didn't, I'm not pulling punches on Satterfield, guys. If you if, when I broke down these plays and you watch those videos, I take shots at Satterfield. I take shots at Beamer. There were some choices by both those guys made in the game that were super questionable. That doesn't mean I don't have confidence in those guys going forward, and that I don't see the promise of what they're doing. And, I, it's, and it's also not that I fully support them. I just, it's like I keep saying, they're going to take some time, guys. I, I wish we could take the pressure off the coaches where everybody going, oh, we need to fire this coach. That person's the problem. You, you know, like, we're just going to have to take a little time. It was like, well, they've had, you know, we got somebody commented, well, we can't say it's uh, uh, the players 
when, you know, that, that, that Beamer didn't get his players in because we got the transfer pool. Man, these guys just got here. You know, you can count the guys from last year, but how many transfers came in last year were starting this year anyway? Because a lot of those transfers, like uh, uh, Jason Brown left, you know, because Spencer came in. Most of our transfers that came in are the ones starting right now. So we can't sit there and act like, oh, we've had two years with those guys. They're new, too. Everybody's new. It's a lot of new going on. I think Charlotte, NC State, we start putting our game together, getting our confidence back. And once again, Lexington, I, I, I'm, I'm all about Lexington, Chris. I'm all about yeah. Lexington. I'm very yeah. positive going into that game, honestly, from what I've seen. Yeah. I, I have a lot of positives going into that. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we talked about but it. I will tell you this. Go ahead. No, I was just saying, Absolutely. we, we, we talked ahead. about it all summer. I mean, about, you know, I, I saw a lot of predictions in the preseason about folks saying, well, you know, the Gamecocks, tough first half of schedule. They're going to start three and three, three and four even. And then, you know, the, and then down the stretch, they're going to beat, you know, Mizzou and Vandy and Florida and Tennessee and get to that seven and five mark and, and all will be all will be well. And that's all fine and dandy to say that over the summer and just give predictions. But when you're in the heat of it, of football season, I mean, if you if you go into Kentucky and you lose that one and you're sitting there at the bye week at three and three, you don't have a quality win. I mean, because I don't even think you can call Georgia State really a quality win at this point. Um, you don't have a conference win. No. And then you got Texas A&M looming the following week. Dude, <laughs> You're just you're going to be in a really really tough spot, and, and really truly at that point, all of that positive momentum and all those good feelings from the preseason, the off season, whatever, they will be gone. They'll be gone, totally gone. For some people, they already are. For some people, they already are. So they'll be gone though. So I talked about in the preseason how pivotal it was. You're exactly where I picked you to be through three weeks. Now, has it gone exactly like I thought it would? No, I, I just genuinely thought you looked better at minimum in the Georgia State game. And so, I mean, I, I didn't expect, I guess, to be this frustrated through three weeks, but you're still right where we picked you to be record-wise. But also taught how pivotal it was to split Arkansas and Kentucky. Like, start four and two. Start four and two. And so, you're right it's, about I mean, it's, it's a, you know, you've got to, like you mentioned, you got to use these next two weeks, build confidence. And, I mean, it just, it all – I, I talked about in the preseason the, the Mizzou game was the most important because – and I still stand by that because as long as you're I getting to – yeah, I, I just say as long as you're getting to a bowl game these first three, four years, you know, I, I know we want more, but you'll at minimum be able to build your program, right? You're getting to postseasons. Like, it's not worst-case scenario. Mizzou is the game I think you have to win to – ensure you have a bare minimum successful year, right? Like I, nobody's going to be satisfied with six and six, but at least you're going to the postseason, right? But I'm telling you, Kentucky is just a notch below, barely below that Mizzou game in regards to importance. And it's it's just, it's the greatest inflection point if you're going to overachieve and hit any sort of expectations that I think the majority of this fan base had, you, you have to win that game. And, it, and at some point, like you need to beat a team with a pulse, you know what I mean? Like, it's just not good enough to go through this season and just, well, tip your cap. They're ranked. Like, dude, after all the guys we <laughs> added, we should be able to beat somebody that's decent. Like, this should not be – I understand it's a process and you got to build your program, but, man, like, it's not okay that we're not – we're just a pathetic team. You know, you know like, we, we should be a competent football no. team with these guys we added. 
we should be able to go into an SEC said, venue or, or just win a quality game. Like that, that's not asking too much. So, I think I think they had said that the offensive roster it was either fifth in the league or fifth in the nation. Yeah, we no, yeah, I we can't were, remember. Yeah, returning, give that, returning give production, a, returning production. Yeah, we like ninety percent coming back. So. And no, it was uh, about roster strength, oh, roster actually. Strength. It was something I saw, it was some vague mention about our offensive roster strength was considered fifth, whether it was in the league or the nation. I don't remember, but it was it was really highly ranked. So I can see a lot of people being frustrated if we're not performing. You know what I mean? If that's the case, for sure. You know, how that rating came about, I don't remember who mentioned it. It was, it was very vague. I had seen it on some podcast or something, you know, and uh, so if that's the case, that's for sure a frustrating thing. Anyway, I'm going to try to get up phone real quick today. I will say going into Charlotte and uh, SE State, obviously, if those games aren't like blowouts, they're not successful either. Yeah. That's not a quality win. If we don't blow those two teams out, you know what I mean? Everybody, if we win, you know, 45 to 21 and everybody celebrating that, I'm not going to be happy. You know what I mean? I'm honestly not. I mean, if we have a lot of improvement and, and and good things like that. But we should be coming out in those games looking like a well-oiled machine because in a lot of ways I saw well-oiled on the offensive side of the board uh, of the ball, you know, in my breakdowns. It was like I said, we didn't get procedural penalties. We had one false start. We were actually well-oiled. We didn't make a lot of mistakes in those areas. So the guys know what they're supposed to be doing. They look well-oiled. They know the system by by Charlotte. If they're not dropping a, a 60 bomb, I'm going to be disappointed. <laughs> I mean that's you listen, know, that's fair. I mean, honestly. That's fair. That that is very very fair. <laughs> uh, you you need to win. You you need to win with style. These next two you need to win. With it needs style. a little. It needs a little like Eastern Illinois did last year. Yeah. Because yeah. we say Eastern yeah. Illinois was the easiest team we ever played, but we're supposed to be that much better this year, yeah. right? So maybe Charlotte's better than Eastern Illinois, but we're supposed to be that much better. Yeah, no, I'd agree. So it I'd still agree. needs to, it needs to be that kind of blowout. Hey, I'm going to get off of here, Chris. You know, just any, any, any guy, guys, anytime, you know, uh, like I said, you know, I, I did these videos. I'm going to keep doing them. I'm going to keep breaking down our games and stuff for us. If you guys, you know, don't see what I'm seeing and, and you got a question about it, you know, I can refer you to some of my videos and say, hey, look, this is what happened, actually happened on that play. You know, I know you probably saw it once in, in live, but when you break it down, hey, this is kind of actually more what happened. It changes your perspective a little bit. So, you know, if, if you guys check those out and you got questions, you know, I'll be, I'll be all up for debate and, and Carolina football anytime. So, <laughs> you guys have a good one. And, uh, man, uh, enjoy your day. Bree, I say keep after it. I appreciate you calling in. Always a pleasure chatting with you, and we'll talk again soon. Later, later. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. That was Lady Bree on the line. Um, always a good time chatting. Some great insight, perspective. Uh, again, guys, we will roll until 1.30. Beamer will come on. We'll listen to what Shane's got to say, um, and that will take up the rest of the show. So no more breaks. Oh, by the way, here's some exciting news. Uh, all you wedding planners out there, you can go ahead and get your calendar set because the 2023 SEC football schedule, the full schedule, will be released tonight at 7 o'clock. I would assume there's something on SEC Network for that. Right, I, I got to think they're dragging that out, right? Um, I'm sure they're dragging that out into some long thing. But uh, the schedule will be set tonight. The schedule thus far for 2023 is the Gamecocks. I don't know if y'all knew this. Open with North Carolina in Charlotte. 
September 2nd. And the following week, September the 9th, we'll play Furman. Uh, the no, November the 4th, Jacksonville Robbie State. Davis, and the Jackson season will end with Clemson. Let's jump to the Robbie, what's up, man? How are you? I'm doing good. How are you doing on this Tuesday? I am doing fantastic. I appreciate you asking, man. What's going on? Well, I'm glad you're doing fantastic. If you were doing any worse, I'd feel bad for you. <laughs> no, I'm doing great, man. I'm doing great. I, those that don't know, by the uh, way, I actually, I, uh, I actually slid down to Atlanta last night, went and watched the Braves beat up on the Nationals. So that was a good time. That was a good time. I, I kind of just, I kind of didn't even tell anybody and just, just went to Atlanta and just wanted to catch a ball. Just all so. nonchalant. Yeah, that was fun. Just a little spontaneous just, trip. Just Had a good time. Just, so I'm, just, I'm doing just, great, just, man. Just now we're go with the flow trip. Man. Yeah, now we're now we're back in the studio and getting after it. So it's a great day. I, I think these next, these next three weeks, even though, yes, the next two games are against lesser opponents, I guess you could say, right? Mm-hmm. The, first, the, next, the, the next two games are games that we should absolutely just dominate, okay? Yes, Spencer has not played well, right? He has not done very well, okay? He's got what? Five interceptions and what? Two touchdowns, two touchdowns five picks. Yep. yep. Two touchdowns. Yeah. Five yeah. Picks. Right. And it's honestly now you're gonna. I don't know if you're gonna be mad at me or if people are gonna be mad at me, but I just wanted to say this real quick. Right. And I know you got to go to the, the press press conference. Oh, you got you got some, you got time. You got twelve oh. minutes. You got twelve minutes. You got plenty of time. <laughs> so, look. Right. It ain't just on Spencer of why where our offense is playing like trash. It's on everybody. It's on Satterfield. It's on the offensive line. It's on the offensive line coach. It's on everybody. Everybody needs to do. Everybody needs to figure something out. Every single one of those coaches need to. Every single one of our position coaches need to figure something out, and that even includes our defensive, our defensive coaches. Okay, everybody needs to figure something out these next two weeks because if we go into Kentucky, if we go into Kentucky. Okay, and we play the way we played against uh, Arkansas because, honestly, with the way we played against Arkansas, I'm surprised at the end that that game was close. Okay, but if we play anything like we played against Arkansas, okay, Kentucky will beat our ass. Right. And it will not be pretty. And I will probably be sitting in my hotel room in Myrtle Beach, pulling my hair out because we're getting our brain seat in by Kentucky. Yeah, I'll be at a wedding, so I don't know. I'll be uh, – I don't, I don't know what I'll be doing. <laughs> I guess it depends on when the game is. Still, uh, still praying for a noon kickoff. Still praying for a nooner. I, I probably I probably nooner. won't get it. I probably won't get it, but whatever. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and also, right – Yes, we have a quite a bit of talent on this team. Don't get me wrong. We do have talent on this team, okay? But the whole entire coaching staff, not just, not just the defensive coaches, not just the wide receiving coaches, not everybody. We need to figure out what works these next two weeks and work on it to a T to the point that these players can do these, the specific things that we work on in their dadgum sleep. Okay, we have got to play better these next two weeks. 
I would be okay if if these next two weeks we put up a 50 burger two weeks in a row, okay? I'd be okay with that, okay? Put up 50 points without giving up any points. I, I, would, I, I would live with that, okay? I can live with that because we need to, like I said the other day, we need to swallow our, we need to guide them, play with some pride, play with some school pride and freaking beat somebody's ass for one. Yeah, I mean, dude, you need it. You need back-to-back huge wins. Yeah. And to be honest, okay, and I don't know if you'll be mad at me for saying this, but to be honest, these next two weeks, I probably, even though, yes, he hasn't played well, I wouldn't start. I would not start Spencer, and here's why, okay? Because if you're playing against Charlotte and State, right, these next two weeks, if he gets hurt and is out for longer than a week, We're up a doo-doo creek with no toilet paper. So to be honest, I would honestly start I, – I, I, me personally, I would start Luke Doty one of these two weeks just to, tr- just to keep him – just to try and keep Spencer healthy or as healthy as possible for Kentucky. But that's me, okay? That's what I would do. And uh, I will, I will, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll do it if you want me to, but I'll give you my score prediction for the next two weeks tomorrow if you want me to. I, I'd love that. <laughs> I'd love that. <clears throat> but uh, all right, I'm going to go ahead and get off of here. You have a great rest of your Tuesday. Go Gamecocks and to hell with Clemson. To heck with them. If I need groceries, I'll give them a call. But if I need a lawyer, I'm calling somebody from U.S. All right. You have a good one. Robbie, I appreciate it, man. Take care. Yep. Bull take. Robbie Davis says he would not start Spencer Rattler the next two weeks. That is a uh, quite a bold move. Quite a bold move. I, I cannot say. And I love Robbie, and I appreciate Robbie calling in. Cannot say I agree with Robbie on that front. Um, I cannot say I agree with Robbie there. Anyways, guys, we can probably squeeze in, squeeze in, squeeze in one more call. 843-790-3373. Yeah, the, the chat is on one today. The chat is on one. Um, anyways, 843-790-3377. Guys, we'd love to hear from you again. Really good Thursday night game this week. I know that's random, but really, really good Thursday night game. Uh, West Virginia Vatek. Call from Derek. Derek, what's up, man? How are you? Man, I'm doing good. How about yourself? I'm doing well. Appreciate you asking. What's going on? Good. First of all, man, I enjoy the show. Um, it's funny that uh, that you have people out there that talk about your show. That uh, <laughs> it's real funny. Let's just say it that way. Mm-hmm. They ain't got a clue. I think they're from Clemson, but you know. Yeah, everything is gold is really silver. But anyway, we'll go with that. Um, I think uh, the problem is, is that when we got Spencer Rattler, um, it was like a high expectation. Um, you can remember some of those games that we uh, – I think especially the uh, Missouri game last year um, where, you know, better quarterback play, we would have we went 75 for the year. Right. Probably 85 in Shane Beamer's first year. Mm. 
so we put that type of expectation on, on Spencer. Um, am I a little disappointed? I am. I, I really, really am. But um, Connor Sharp's not walking through that door. And I, I feel like Connor Sharp's probably the best quarterback South Carolina's ever had. That's just my opinion. Um, but as time goes on, I just hope that we can get this damn thing turned around. Um, yes, we were out. We were out of five starters on uh, Saturday. Um, it didn't look good. Um, but those guys, they played. And if it's if it if if we are like three and three and three and five, I would essentially start putting in the freshmen because they're gonna at some point uh, they're gonna have to learn. They're gonna have to get in there. And if we feel like they're gonna be the, the strength of our team. We need to just go ahead and start putting these guys in there, letting them get their head kicked in for a little while, but learning as they go along and whatnot instead of just sitting on the sideline. Mm-hmm. We talked about this offensive line that we have. These guys are six years. They've been together, what, four or five years. Mm-hmm. It's the same result, you know. So, you know, there's a lot of things that, that has to be cleaned up. Spencer, yes, Spencer has an arm. He has an arm, but at the same time, in order to in order to get the benefits out of Spencer, we got to protect. We got to we got to block. We got to protect him, and allow him to be able to get to these wide receivers. I think our wide receivers are uh, is piss poor, in my opinion. Um, Josh Van, I don't know where he's at. Um, and then we got the Juice Wells, and you know, and we got all these other. I, hell, I don't even know him that good. But but to say that is that we just need to do a better job. And if it's that offensive line, we need to – that offensive line is a key thing because no matter how good we believe Spencer can be, mm-hmm. we would never get the benefits from him. And like I said, um, I enjoy your show, man. Um, keep up the good work, bro. And, uh, shit, we riding with you, bro. Lot lizard lovers for life. Take care, bro. I appreciate it, man. Thanks so much for the kind words. Appreciate the love sincerely. It means a lot. Um, to his point, though, yeah, I mean, it's it's um, it's interesting, right? Because because the record is what we all thought it would be, but I don't think anybody sits here and says, you know, this is this is fine, this is fine, right? This is like the meme, right? Of the guy sitting there, everything around you is like burning, right? Like this is fine, this is fine. that's how it feels right now. Um, and I just don't think if I would have told you in the preseason, hey, through three weeks. Spencer Rattler is going to have two touchdowns and five picks. I, I I don't know that any of you. I don't think anybody would have said, "Oh yeah, that's 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 perfectly fine. That's acceptable." Nobody would have said that. So, you know, again, I I know I keep going back to this, right? Because I just I, I guess it's this guy. It's like I, I don't want to write off the season after three games. Like I, I don't, especially when again, like I picked you to be one and two, right? I picked you to be one and two. Granted, again, the way it's happened, I didn't pick that, but I picked you to be one and two. But I, I sound like a broken record. I keep going back to it, to it like, and Travi says it. The remedy now, the only remedy left is beating Kentucky. It, it really is. I mean, that's, that is a game that you so desperately need to have. It may not be the must win, the most important. I don't care how you want to label it. It's a game you need. It's a game this fan base needs. It's a game, Shane Beamer. Because guess what? Kentucky's going to be ranked. He's gonna, they're they're, they're going to be ranked, right? So it's it's a game you need. And seven's got to play better. No doubt, seven has to play better. No question. We all agree with that. 
All right, Shane Beamer looks like he's about to come on, guys. Um, Jason Scott, you also praised Rattler all preseason. Well, Jason Scott, I'm also still rocking his name on my hat. I haven't given up on Spencer Rattler. I still think he can be a really elite quarterback for us. I truly do believe that. I don't think the the game against Georgia was a great measuring stick for it. I'm still behind Rattler 110%, and I'll leave it at that. All right, let's go ahead. I'm going to take myself off the screen. Let's all take in Shane Beamer's Tuesday presser comments. All right. Thanks to everybody for uh, coming out. So you can see by my shirt, this week is uh, the Curing Kids Cancer Week for us uh, here in our program, uh, similar to last year. Uh, certainly, I'm honored. We are honored to be able to participate uh, in this to raise awareness for this uh, amazing uh, group of people that last year when I stood up here didn't really know uh, much about, knew the story, but didn't know them personally and have been so blessed to have been able to get to know the Owen family uh, here over the last year and hear the story of Killian, their son that they lost at a young age to cancer, uh, heartbreaking. And and uh, they came and spoke to our team back in the springtime and were phenomenal with our players and, and so, so uh, uh, heartbreaking, their story. And uh, then our team was able to participate in an event in the springtime to help raise awareness uh, for this as well. So we're excited to do our part this weekend and, and looking forward to continuing to uh, bring awareness uh, to this to this group. Uh, going back to last week too, I know I mentioned it on the teleconference, but certainly want to thank our fans for the environment and the atmosphere they created in Williams-Brice Stadium last Saturday. Awesome, and I mentioned it on the teleconference for those of you that, that weren't on there. That's all the recruits were talking about, thankfully. They weren't talking about the results on the field. Um, as soon as the game was over and I finished visiting with you guys and the post-game radio and the TV show, I went home and immediately just started texting recruits, and that's all they could talk about was the, the environment, the people, the, the ones that were there and the ones watching on TV, and then went to a recruiting dinner um, that night with uh, the two prospects and their families that were here for their official visit. And that's all they could talk about was the environment in that stadium and how awesome it was. And then at 8 a.m. on Sunday morning, I was in my office for my first of four recruiting meetings that day with prospects, and that's what they wanted to talk about. So we appreciate our fans for the environment they created last Saturday. It was uh, awesome and made a difference with all the recruits that were there. Couldn't be more positive with them as well. From an injury standpoint, uh, Corey Rucker practiced today. It was great to see him out there. Uh, I know he was excited to get out there. Everyone that you're going to ask me about that was that didn't play last week or the ones that got hurt during the game, like Rush and Devani, uh, honestly, I would say that every single one of them are questionable as we stand here today, and that's not coach speak. They, uh, I can't sit here and guarantee that they're all going to play. And I can't sit here and tell you that they're not going to play. Um, some of them practiced today limited. Some of them didn't do much today in practice, but they all have a chance to play by Saturday. So we'll see how how tomorrow goes. That includes Cam. That includes, you know, obviously anybody but Mo Cabba, Jordan Strawn, and Chad Terrell who are season ending. So keeping our fingers crossed that we'll get them all back. Uh, we'll need them all back against a, a, Char a Charleston, Charlotte team that's uh, certainly getting better. Um, they have elevated their program over the last few years. And, 
And the team that played the other night against Georgia State is a team that I think they felt like they were going to be going into this season. They return a lot of starters off last year's team. Their starting quarterback, who's about to be a four-time captain. I mean, I don't know if I've ever heard of that, where a, uh, an athlete uh, is going to be a captain on the team all four seasons. Uh, says a lot about... Oh, that young man, he's their all-time leading passer. He got hurt in the first game, so that he didn't play in their next two losses. He came back the other night against Georgia State and uh, is everything that he's billed to be. He's a fantastic uh, player that's a great athlete. Uh, they've, got, they've got talented receivers on the outside. The Conference USA Freshman of the Year is one of them. The other one's a guy that's been an all-conference player every year that he's been at Charlotte. So they've got weapons on the outside. They scored more points on Georgia State than we did, and they scored more points on Georgia State than North Carolina did. And uh, I know North Carolina's playing pretty good offense this year up in Chapel Hill, so our defense has a big challenge. And then defensively, uh, the same thing. They, uh, I've got some transfers that are helping them. Um, it's a new defensive coordinator, a new system, so you can see them getting more and more comfortable each week. And probably the turning point in that game against Georgia State was the other night. They um, brought a pressure off the backside, hit the Georgia State quarterback in the back. He fumbled. They pick it up, and they ran it in for a touchdown. That's seven points. And then the very next drive, they get pressure on the quarterback. Quarterback gets hit. It's another interception, and Charlotte takes over at midfield. So a disruptive defense and a veteran quarterback uh, on offense with talented receivers on the outside is uh, um, will certainly be a challenge for us. And we're going to have to play and coach well to uh, have the kind of night that we want to have out there on Saturday night. So with that, we'd like to take any questions you guys have. I already covered injuries, so I don't know what you could have, David. I already knocked that one out, man. Yeah, but about injury. No. <laughs> um, you know, Shane, last week, Juice goes from eight catches to none catches. Mm -hmm. Bell had the one catch. Van had the one. Just what do you guys got to do to get the ball into your game breaker's hands more? Um, well, we've got to stay on the field for sure, and we got to get first downs. Um, you know, and I said it last week, too, that – I'm going to come in here on Tuesdays and you guys are going to be asking me after a game that Juice has a lot of catches why he didn't. And, you know, we had some other guys that that uh, made some plays the other day, not enough of them. Uh, but the biggest thing is we got to sustain drives and we got to stay on the field on on third down. But, you know, again, I mean, we've got a lot of guys on our offense that that um, that can make plays that I feel like are weapons. And and it, and we want them all to have touches for sure. But um, you know, you look at you look at Georgia. I mean, 19 obviously had some great plays the other day, but zero. You know, I don't think he caught a ball. You know, and and uh, they got really good running backs, but none of them just carried the ball an immense amount of time as well. So um, we've got enough guys that we've got to go where the go where the, uh, the 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 read if it's a pass or the whatever takes us if it's a run. But we've just got to. The biggest thing is just stay on the field, and we need to run more plays. And those guys know that. You know, each week it's gonna be each week it's gonna be somebody different. Shane, you had maybe musical chairs on the offensive line. I think Trey Jones played for a little bit in the middle yeah. of that game. Wanham obviously moved to left with Jalen out and what what did you kind of make of the offensive line's performance and some of those new guys maybe at different positions against Georgia? I thought they played really, really well and nobody's talking about that, uh, for sure. Now did we win the game? Did we play well on offense? No. Do we have moral victories because, you know, we we didn't have a ton of sacks, no. But I think if you look at it, I mean, we lined up and and we were able to pop some runs in there where we're uh, a shoestring tackle away from from popping a couple of them. And I think Georgia had what was it, one sack, I think, or, or or done. So 
We protected the quarterback for the most part. Did we get some pressure? Yes. And and Spencer to his, you know, Spencer will tell you this too. Like he's got to step up in the pocket. And some of those, some of those times on Saturday that Spencer was drifting backwards, uh, he knows this. I'm not telling you anything we haven't already talked about, but we'd love for him to be able to step up in that pocket too because we had good protection. So missing Jalen Nichols and some and some guys, Dylan having to go to left tackle, Wanamaker going to right tackle, Trey Jones coming in there and playing some. I thought those guys took a step forward and uh, showed that we can, you know, run the ball. I mean, some of the runs that we popped were the same run scheme over and over again. It was just out of some different formations. And we've got to continue to be better. We haven't arrived by any stretch of the imagination. But I thought those guys took a good step against a really, really good defense. Shane, have you gotten a sneak peek of the schedule that's going to be released yet later today? Um, I don't – well, yes and no. I mean, I don't know if it's changed. Um, I saw a schedule – in the past that is the 2023 schedule, but I'll be honest with you, I haven't looked at it in forever, so I, I couldn't tell you. I know we open up with North Carolina and Charlotte and beyond that, I don't know, so no. Did you guys get like a watch party tonight to watch it on SEC <laughs> no. Network or anything? Or? We have a watch party to figure out how we're gonna get a first down on third down, so that's how we can stay on the field. So no, there's no, uh, this isn't like an NFL schedule release about the time. What time does it come on? Seven? I think seven, yeah. At seven o'clock, we'll be sitting in there as an offensive and defensive staff trying to figure out what our third down plan is so we can stop them and we can stay on the field. And I guess on more pressing things, I guess just in terms of Gilbert Edmond, obviously played a lot of snaps the other night. I guess just how have you guys kind of seen how he's progressed over the last two years and, and being in a position to really take a lot, play a lot of snaps and, and make an impact? And I guess just what's kind of been his evolution over the last, what, now, year and a half, two years when you guys have been here? Yeah. Yeah, he continues to uh, just get better, you know, and he was behind Birch and Strawn and, and uh, Sterling and J.J. last year. And, you know, the challenge last year was Gilbert, like, we need you to help us on special teams. Like, right now you're the fifth defensive end. You need you need to be a key special teams player. And and uh, I remember Mike Peterson saying it over and over again that Gilbert Edmonds is going to be a good player as he continues to grow because he's still a young, young, young kid uh, age-wise for his class as well. So he just – keeps his mouth shut, don't really notice him, and just works. And I thought he did some really good things on Saturday. Um, we know Gilbert can rush the passer. The thing that we've talked to Gilbert about is being better against the run. And one of his best plays, I mean, we showed it in there to the team on Sunday, was um, Georgia's running basically, you know, split zone, meaning number zero, the tight end's coming across and to block him. And Gilbert gets – inside the block and gets penetration is able to you know make the make a tackle in the backfield so if if he's able to continue to do that play with the physicality and, and the the strength that he needs to against the run um he'll continue to be a great player shane uh kind of piggybacking off the offensive line question are there aspects when you look at the film again where you can zero in on things where you say you know what we were a little better we're not where we want to be, but we were a little better at this thing, and then this thing, and then this thing, and, and to help the building process as you get this program to where yeah. you want it to go. Um, I would start with Spencer. I mean, there's things that after the Arkansas game that we talked to him about just from a fundamental standpoint that he needed to be better at and felt like he was. Uh, just some technique, or not technique, but fundamentals and, and – uh, little things that you don't notice with the naked eye that he was very like if the thing I love about Spencer if you give him something to work on like he'll work on it and he was very intentional about it you know this week it's continuing to do a better job of you know stepping up in the pocket and 
And, uh, you know, I know Kirby talked about it with their plan was to keep him in the pocket and not let him escape and get on the edge. And, and Spencer's going to have to continue to step up and make throws in the pocket, which he's done and will continue to do. So things like that, yes. And then our guys see it. Um, you know, on Sunday, we sat in that room next door. The entire offense did, every position, every coach. And normally we break up into position groups and watch the tape. But sat in there as an offense and what went through all however many plays we were out there offensively. 70, I think, the other day, or close to 70, and went through every play. And because to allow every player in that room to see how close we are, that, you know, we, we, uh, we've got guys open and, and we're close to popping runs and things like that. And, and uh, you know, it's not moral victories by any stretch of the imagination, but I think our guys saw the way that we, we, even though it didn't look like it by any stretch of the imagination, it was nowhere near good enough. I did feel like we made some improvement. Now we just got to, these plays are there to be made. We got to make them. And um, we're not doing that enough right now. How, how much of what y'all are doing, stuff, plays you're calling, stuff you're running, is it similar to what Spencer did at Oklahoma? Is there much carryover, none at all? Or? Um, as far as the scheme or the terminology or both? Just kind of generally across the board. I think there's a probably we were doing some last year. Um, you know the 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 fourth down play that uh, was in question. That's you know been the story or whatever. That play was is called sooner. Um, you know we ran that play last year a bunch as well. We'll have to change the name now because I just said it in the press conference. But um, Sorry. there, yeah, it's my fault. But I mean, there's there's plays in our offense that we had last year that came from Oklahoma that probably have an Oklahoma theme. Uh, um, you know, there's I think I mentioned it last year. I mean, we have CD, we have Kyler, we have Sooner, we have Boomer. I mean, we have different plays that we brought from Oklahoma. But I think with Spencer coming in, coming in, we've continued those, and some of those he got here and really didn't like. Um, you know, the play that we called Boomer last year, he wasn't a big fan of, and, and we aren't running it right now. Uh, but there are things that he's comfortable with, that there's great communication between Sat and Spencer. And this isn't, okay, we're going to do everything Spencer wants and marry our offense all of a sudden to what Spencer's comfortable with. we got an entire offense to worry about, but certainly you want your quarterback comfortable. Uh, so to answer your question, uh, there's – probably a little bit more than last year, but it's not a wholesale change. If anything, I think we've gotten where it's maybe a little bit more, maybe less wordy, more one-word calls, more, um, you know, just being able to just kind of operate at the tempo that, that Spencer's uh, comfortable with as well. And, and, I, and I ask that because just kind of the, the layman look at it is like, he's talking about how he wants to get more pro-style experience and that type of thing. Yeah. Uh, maybe that's not necessarily how things were run at Oklahoma, and, and I just didn't know if maybe there was some things you guys felt like you could could draw from from the past to help get him going and get the offense moving forward. Yeah, no, we have. I mean, we've we've put in some things the last couple of weeks that that um, you know I know that he's comfortable with, and you know he'll text me or text Sad or whatever. I mean, there's each week. I mean, you want your quarterback to have ownership and what you're doing so each week you know Spencer will go home on or be there Sunday night Monday night tonight he'll watch video and he'll text ideas to to sat you know in the offensive coaches that things that he likes and you know he brought something to us this week that we haven't done that he was doing at Oklahoma you know there were some things uh 
a couple things last week that that um, that we put in. So I mean, we're always referring back to that things that he was you know, uh, comfortable with, because you certainly want to make that guy comfortable. And he's done a great job, too. He does want it to be pro style and things like that. But there's a there's a happy medium as well. We've got to do what's best for our football team off or our offensive football team as well. Uh, Gilbert Edmonton was in here earlier talking about here trying to be more verbal and practice on defense with communication. Um, Zach Pickens said communication was a bit of an issue Saturday. How do you kind of evaluate that and how do you go about fixing it, especially with so many new guys coming in? Yeah, I think it's good because, uh, I mean, I think it's getting better and it needs to be. Um, you know, to me, the great defenses, they're constantly talking and with the way offenses are nowadays with how fast they go and the pre-snap motion and the communication, you know, I mean, that's what got us on Saturday on that little – you know, pop pass early in the third quarter to, to 19, the tight end was just a, you know, miscommunication. And that starts on us as coaches uh, where we don't turn a guy completely free, but you've got, you know, a new safety communicating with a safety that doesn't play as much and just the communication was off. So you've got to have that. And it's no different than uh, Coach Paris and, and Coach Staley on the basketball court want communication on defense and talking. Well, it's the same thing in football as well and you know that's where to, from a coaching standpoint you got to be good that your players have uh, confidence in what they're doing so they feel confident being vocal and speaking up and communicating for one but then it's hard for sure when you do have a bunch of young players I mean there's times there was a time out there Saturday I think we had DQ Smith, Nicky Minwari, Kawan Banks, and Emory Floyd all in the field at the same time I mean that's four true freshmen and you want them to communicate but that they're not freshmen anymore, but it wasn't that long ago they were playing at Irmo High School and Spring Valley High School, and it's a little bit different than what they faced on Saturday. So that will come as the as the experience comes, and it's like we've talked to our guys about. Like we don't have time to wait. Like, we got to go now, guys. Uh, we want to grow up. We want to get better. We want to do all these things. Well, the time is now, so we've got to really. Uh, uh, improve quickly because time is you know running out if you will because this season will be over before you know it speaking of gilbert edmonton growing up he said he was like 180 when he switched positions senior year of high school now he's like 255 he was crediting like chicken wings and eating stuff for like how he got that just what have you seen do you see him scarf down food a lot what are you seeing then uh no that's probably a better question for Kristen. i would say it's our nutrition program but i did see before i came in here that he was talking about wherever he goes and eats the wings or chicken or the special sauce or whatever uh, so there, I'm sure there's a lot of stuff that's going on outside this building. But then he also is very intentional about, you know, what's going on downstairs with nutrition and all that as well. And we got, uh, we need a few, we got a few guys that we need to put on some weight and continue to put, uh, get stronger and bigger. So whatever he's doing, they need to follow his lead for sure. Um, Jalen Brooks said earlier, he feels like you guys have all the right people in the mm -hmm. building and are just kind of, you know, everything hasn't clicked yet. Can you put your finger on like, you know, what that last missing piece is right now? Is it just something that's going to take time for you all to kind of get comfortable with each other? Like where, where is that? right? Yeah, now? I think it's, um, I think it's a process and, and I do believe we're, uh, we're close. I don't believe, I know we're not as far away as it looked, excuse me, on Saturday. Um, and that's the frustrating thing. And I know every coach says that, you know, we had this guy open and we had this play to be made and this run was there. If this guy had just done that and would have, could have, should have, I mean, I'm not one of those guys, but you do see, you do see the tape that, um, that 
there's opportunities out there to be made. And to me, it's just go right back out there on that practice field and go right back to work and continue to try and try and get better. And that's the only answer, you know, that I know. You just don't you just don't flip a switch and turn it on on Saturday. Otherwise, we would have done that last week. Uh, it's got to come out there on the practice field. And we I see that from our guys. I mean, the, the, they really are practicing well and practicing with great intent. And we've just got to continue to do that also. I got two for you. Have you had a chance to talk to uh, administration about the first, second quarter delay so it doesn't happen again? And then uh, while you guys were all standing out there, Georgia, in your offense, uh, did you have the option to stay on the sideline until the uh, play clock started running down and hold your guys to the side before going out there? The communication, Coach Tanner and I have talked. He's been fantastic, and and um, I've um, – Eric Nichols and marketing reached out as well, and I appreciate them doing that. In regards to being out there on the field, I always meet with the officials in pregame. Uh, and in that pregame meeting, the official told me, look, college football games are you know long enough as they are. When we come out of a TV timeout today, we'd love for you guys to be out there ready to go. And as soon as we come out of the commercial break, we're playing. So we were trying to decide in that situation if we were going to go for it on fourth down or if we were going to kick. We decided to go for it. And then at that point, we're in the huddle trying to figure out what play we're going to run, the play formerly known as Sooner. Um, and, and then at that point, the official uh, blew the whistle and motioned for us to come out there on the field. And so I wasn't going to bring the team off the field at, at that point and, and risk any kind of delay a game or, or anything like that as well. I was doing what the officials had communicated to us pregame, which was get the team out there and be ready to go. Shane, you mentioned that one play from Oklahoma that um, Spencer didn't like. As he's more comfortable here, is he also more verbal about other plays that he doesn't like? Yeah, and, and to me, that's not just Spencer Rick. I mean, that was Luke last year, and that was Jason Brown. And I would say that's any, any quarterback out there, you want them to be comfortable with what they're being asked to do in the game plan. And uh, with the quarterbacks last year and then Spencer this year, look, if there's something you don't really love and, and don't quite understand, don't think is fits us, whatever, communicate it. You know, let's, uh, let's uh, get that out of the game plan. So he's great about that. And... In uh, and, and communicating that for sure. Um, and then he's also very good about working really, really hard. If there's something he's maybe there is some gray area about that he doesn't feel comfortable with, working really, really hard to, to get comfortable with it as well. So I'm very pleased with the communication between um, Spencer and, and the rest of the offensive staff. I believe it was the start of the fourth quarter, big huddle. You're in the middle of it, very passionate. Was that a message not just about the final 15 minutes, but also going forward, and was that message heated? Yeah, we do that every fourth quarter. Uh, I think we started doing that, uh, I want to say, like midway through the season last year. Uh, you know, one of our things that we talk about in winning football games is dominating the fourth quarter. And every Sunday when we come in that team meeting room and review the game from the day before, there's things that we look at. Did we get this done or not? And one of those is, did we win the fourth quarter? So we started doing that about midway through last season, Reggie. And and um, the message in that situation was, yeah, we're going to find out a lot about this team right now. We're, we're 
this game has not gone the way that we wanted it to go. Uh, but we don't ever work, look at the scoreboard. You know, we don't play to whatever the scores is. We compete and don't, and don't worry about the scoreboard. So that whoever we went back out there on the field in the fourth quarter, I wanted to see us continue to compete uh, like we did uh, all last season. Because I think, you know, we had ups and downs last year, but I want to say that we won the fourth quarter and I think it was 10 of 12 games maybe, you know, so we just continue to get better and we don't worry about the score and we just keep playing. So that was the message uh, in that huddle on, um, on, on, on a Saturday afternoon. Shane, you've obviously been a tight ends coach before and got some really talented guys here in Jaheim and that group. I mean, you saw another talented guy in Brock Bowers the other day. I mean, it, this might be a little bit general, but is it crazy to think a guy like Brock or Jaheim or with a big year can be a Heisman Trophy candidate? I mean, is it crazy to think a tight end should be in that mix and, and in that running? I don't think it's crazy because to me, there's so many tight ends nowadays are doing the things that um, that you need to potentially be a Heisman Trophy candidate. They're catching passes. They're carrying the ball. Um, you know, I mean, you're getting the ball in your in your hands that many times. Certainly, now you need to be on a winning team that has the kind of success that 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 uh, you have to have to win a Heisman Trophy. But it's not like in the old days where you were a tight end and you just blocked and you caught, you know, 25 catches. Now you're blocking, but you're also catching passes. You're getting the ball on jet sweeps like uh, Brock did on uh, at times last year or reverses or you're handing the ball to him like we've done with with Jaheim. So, sir, I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's out of the uh, out of the imagination to say that that could happen. Shane, you've talked at times about slow starts for this team. As you kind of go back and maybe quality control some of that stuff, what can you as coaches do to maybe you know, stem some of those slow starts and what can you guys do maybe in practice to make sure you guys start a little bit quicker? I don't know. If you got any ideas, let me know. I mean, we've, um, we've, uh, we've tried to implement it with the way that we start practice. I mean, we don't just kind of like stretch and then just ease into things. I mean, we, we try and start practice fast every day because that's how you – start games you know so we have a walk through and we stretch and we usually do some sort of like turnover or tackling circuit and a quick special teams period and then it's you know right to either a competitive period or a team period or some kind of physicality like it would be on a game we, we do that we did it today um you know the last two games we we uh i'm not sure i don't can't remember if we won the toss or not but if i think if we if i think we did saturday if you win the toss we were going to take the ball the last two weeks which we've never done We've always won the toss and deferred. And at Arkansas, I can't remember who won it, but if we had won it, we were taking the ball. And then Georgia, we I think we did win it and take, took the ball as well just to try and get our offense out there and get off to a good start. So um, there's things that we do at the hotel before we come over here as well. And I don't want guys thinking so much and, and pressing so much, like we got to get off to a fast start, we got to get off to a fast start. To me, it's just executing and um, and – Saturday, we I think the pass to uh, Jaheim was on that first drive. We threw the pass to Stog on the first play of the game, and then I want to say that that pass, no, that maybe Jaheim was the second drive, but we had a decent drive going on the uh, the very first time, and then we just you know we got stopped for for whatever reason, and um, we've just got to continue to look at how we're starting games schematically, and then when we get out there, we just got to we got to execute, and we got to. Because it's happened way too often. I get it. You know, we've had way too many bad starts to games, offense, defense, and special teams. I mean, I think this was the 
second game in a row the defensively we gave up touchdown drives the first three times that the opponent had the ball and can't get stops and it's just we're getting ourselves in a hole and it's hard to dig out of so we've got to continue to just coach and, and coach better going into the game and 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 make plays when the when we have the opportunity to Shane you've seen and coached a lot of holders in your time probably grew up with a lot of them too just what goes into that and have you ever seen a guy like Kai who just seems kind of natural to be where his hands are always going to where the ball is stopped no I think Kai's phenomenal um what, what's the holder of the year award in college football more more, more I don't know ask Pete but he should be up for it I mean the guy's phenomenal he really is and I hate that we've had some bad snaps but going back to last year I mean you go, you go back and you look at some of the snaps that he got down on the ground I mean people take that for granted he's he's uh he's a great punter he made a heck of a throw on the fake punt the other day going back and watching the tape I mean that was a big time throw uh to Trayvon but he's just uh he's a really good athlete and he's really gifted at that and I think that's what it is I mean I think it helps to have some athleticism you've got to have good hands uh for sure you've got to be somewhat of a leader out there because you're directing traffic and, and kind of the quarterback of that of that field goal unit as well. And then just the consistency. I mean, people say, okay, that's easy, catch it and put it down. Well, it's catching it, it's putting it putting it down, it's being on the right spot, and just the consistency that you have to have over and uh, over and over again. He's, he's uh, awesome at it. Everyone in this area knows your support for women's sports. Most of all, the fellow coaches here at the university who've been tweeting support for you over the last couple of days. Just for you as a coach, as a father, as a person, what makes that support of women's sports such a priority for you? Um, I know how hard they work, and um, you know they they put in the same amount of time and make the same sacrifices that our male athletes do as well. I mean, I'm the dad of of two daughters, and my daughter right now, my oldest, is playing volleyball and does basketball in the winter time, and did soccer in the spring. And my youngest daughter, she's she as many hours as I spend up here I feel like she spends more hours at dance because uh, she's in the dance I mean she's I mean I got home late last night and I beat her home and because she's out at the dance studio till whatever time and um just that and then I think having a chance to not only get to know the coaches but some of these young ladies and like the respect and admiration I have for Aaliyah Boston as a player, but getting to know her as a, as a person. And then Kaylin and our women's golf team, and I've been able to play golf with some of those young ladies and, and spend some time with them at the practice facility and, and uh, went to dinner with them at an event before. And, and you know, uh, Tilly and Hannah and Louise and, and those guys, I mean, they're great young ladies and, and work really hard. Uh, Justine and just getting to know them, spending time around the teams and then understanding that we're all part of one family here at Carolina. Uh, it makes it easy to support because they're great athletes, but the ones that I've gotten the chance to know, they're even better people, which makes it easy to cheer for them. Coach, you mentioned him earlier when you're talking about Gilbert Edmond, but um, Nicky Minwari is a guy that's kind of really stepped up and come into his own. Um, how much of a testament is he to the, not only this defense but the program too? Yeah, no, he's been um, he's been awesome. Uh, he he um, he's come in and the moment hasn't been too big for him. He's really worked hard and he just continues to get better. And and if there's something that he's not uh as good at as he wants to be right now he works at it and 
we're able to put him in different places and move him around and, and do different things with him, which is not easy to do as a, uh, as a young player. And, and I would say that about him, but I mean, that whole, you know, freshman class, I mean, every week we recognize the, um, the top four uh, student athletes of the week, like the guys on our team that are doing the best academically and, and uh, DQ Smith was one of the guys for us this morning. So you talk about what Nick's doing as a true freshman. You talk about what DQ's doing as a true freshman. It's just a really, really good freshman class that's handling their business uh, on and off the field. And credit to the pe- credit to them and their families, and then the the people around them as well. All right, guys, we're going to go and jump off here. I'm not sure how much longer Coach Beamer is going to be, but we got a conversation with Michael Bratton of that SEC podcast that is scheduled for right now. So I'm going to jump off, guys. Appreciate you all tuning in. That's going to do it. Uh, go to the South Carolina Gamecocks YouTube page if you want to catch the rest of Coach Beamer's presser. I don't think it'll be much longer, but if you want to check that out, you can do so there. Guys, again, thank you all so much for tuning in. Appreciate all the calls, the comments, the commentary, everything else. <clears throat> podcast will drop tomorrow with this convo with Michael Bratton. Also, of course, uh, the Daily Crow all week long. Content bleeding out of the eyeballs. You guys know the drill. All right, we're out of here. Appreciate y'all. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, and we will talk to you all tomorrow.